Welcome to the Blackhawks Talk Podcast. I am Pat Boyle, joined by Charlie Romeliotis and Scott King from NBCSportsChicago.com. On this episode, it's everything you need to know about the return to play. When does it start the NHL season? What the Hawks division will look like? Will there be fans in the stands? Plus, we rank the eight teams in the Central Division and tell you where the Hawks sit entering this 56-game sprint. Plus, Scott King fills us in on his conversation with Mr. Goalie, Glenn Hall. It's all coming up on the freshest edition of the Blackhawks Talk Podcast. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Born in the Rockies, Coors Light is lagered cold for a crisp, clean taste. Filtered cold to ensure clarity and brightness and packaged cold for peak refreshment because those who thirst for more deserve the world's most refreshing beer. So the return to play is official. Charlie and Scott, 56-game regular season beginning on January 13th. The regular season will come to an end on May 8th. They will have those four divisions that we talked about. And uh, the playoffs are going to be your, you know, 16 teams in the traditional best of seven. But the combatants will come from each of those divisions. So all four divisions, the top four teams will square off inside that division. One versus four, two versus three. Winner of that takes on uh, the other winner in, the, in their respective division. And then each of those four divisions will produce one winner that will go, in essence, to the conference finals, so to speak. So as, as we look at it, the division the Hawks are in, and it's, that's been the one division that's changed really over the last few weeks. One time, uh, St. Louis was in the model. Minnesota was in the model. It ends up Dallas replaces Minnesota, and it will be Carolina, the Blackhawks, Columbus, the Dallas Stars, Detroit, Florida, Nashville, and Tampa Bay. So your initial thoughts on the return to play. Well, first off, I have to say, I think when I was tweeting out the return to play thing the other day, I might have shed a tear as I was typing, typing out the tweet because it was so nice to actually have some concrete information and we can start planning on maybe what the schedule is going to look like. And we have the draft dates, we have free agency dates, we have expansion draft dates. So now it starts to get a little bit more exciting where fans can, can look forward to something going into the holiday. But um, yeah, Pat, we kind of did hit on the divisions a little bit. Um, I, I think it was smart the way they did it. Now, I don't know if they intended to do it or not, or maybe it was just geographically, but um, the fact that Dallas moved into the central and Minnesota moved into that West division, um, certainly evens out the central a little bit more and it does make it a little bit tougher for the Blackhawks, obviously. Um, and, and we'll get, we'll kind of break down the divisions later, but yeah, it was just exciting news overall. Um, having had like seeing the taxi squad, seeing like 
the generic framework of what it's going to be, what this season is going to look like was exciting. Cause now we can kind of start mapping out, um, you know, roster decisions and who's going to be on the taxi squad and all this hockey talk that we've been wanting to talk about for, for months now. Yeah, I, I think it's awesome. I think it's great news. It's like Christmas came early that we're actually going to have hockey. You know, we, we were hopeful we were going to. Now we are. Uh, well, with the, the division names, uh, you know, you got you got Northeast, Central, and West. I think the only thing that could have been less creative is they went by color, <laughs> a little uh, blue, green, yellow, orange, or something. Uh, but no, they're good. I mean, you you hope everything works out in the North with uh, the All Canada Division. There, a couple of the governments there are not signing off on having games at those arenas. So, you, you know, you're, you're pumped about the battle of Alberta with the Oilers and, and flames. So you hope it all gets worked out. Otherwise, you know, they might be playing in um, using Rogers place maybe as a hub or, or trying to play in the U S somewhere. So you look at the way they did the postseason. It's easy to be optimistic. Yeah. It's a bigger scale. There's more games, more to work out, but you know, I'm, I'm pretty optimistic about everything. It, it's interesting looking at the divisions, like in the West, you can kind of just pencil in. Yeah. Abs will be in the playoffs, the Knights, the blues, and then maybe it's up to one other team in the West there to make it. Um, in the East, it's like, you can just picture right away Bruins, Flyers, Penguins, Caps. I mean, that's how do you beat those guys in that division? Uh, Charlie mentioned the taxi squad. I, that's for me, one of the most interesting things because you can carry four to six guys. They get paid their full AHL salary, but it's like, in terms of the Hawks trying to nurture and build these young guys, like you want them, you want them playing. If it's not at the NHL level, then, then in the AHL. So it's like, and with COVID restrictions and travel and cost of travel, it's like, how much are they going to let a couple guys ride just with the Hawks for, you know, a majority of the time versus how much are they going to be able to send, be sending guys back and forth to get some kind of reps. So that's something I'm definitely going to be paying attention to. I think it's going to be cool to see, you know, the markets that, that do it safely like the NFL that to see fans on TV is going to be pretty awesome. So hopefully that works out too. Yeah, you, you talk about that taxi squad, and it's going to be um, – it's interesting. They they are going to allow the teams to, uh, like on their off days, uh, put – have 20 that are, are counting towards their cap, and then they can take the rest of everybody that's available and put them on the taxi squad and take that prorated uh, cap amount away for a given day. So I think you're going to see – tons of transactions on off days it will let's get to the goalie question because it's my understanding they have to carry three you have to have two uh and one on your taxi squad something like that so in, in essence you would think that they would carry the three that that we're talking about with Delia Subban and Lankinen but Scotty as you also mentioned too um that, that that means two guys aren't getting a lot of work or are only getting work uh, in in practice situations. So, you know, are you going to have somebody going up and down to Rockford? I mean, I don't know how that's going to play out. Charlie, how, how do you see the taxi squad kind of playing out? Or are they going to keep them separate like they don't go to Rockford at all? Yeah, that's a great point. And you do wonder if, let's just say, the duo for opening night is Malcolm Subban and Colin Delia, who are the two most NHL-proven. And then there's Kevin Lankinen. Like, do you want Kevin Lankinen on your taxi squad where literally all he's doing is just practicing? Like, he's not getting any playing time. And so that that you're going to have to wait for, for with your development. And I wonder, you know, maybe it's an option where the Blackhawks look externally and they look at some goaltenders on the market and say, hey, maybe we go get – 
a veteran like Ryan Miller or someone that's on the market and just have him on our taxi squad where if we need him to fill in, it's not like we're ruining somebody's development along the way because you would want Kevin Lincoln to, to accumulate starts in Rockford. So it's a great point. And I do think that some of the players on the Hawks would require waivers to get sent to that taxi squad. Like I think Brandon Peary would have to be sent through waivers to get on the taxi squad, but he's a perfect example where that that's maybe why you make a trade like that. Cause you have that veteran who can step into the lineup right away, but you can also stash him on your taxi squad and not be like, eh, okay, like, you know, we're not really ruining his development. Cause he is what he is at this point at the NHL level. Whereas, you know, if it's a guy like Philip Kurashev, you want him playing in Rockford, not him sitting on your taxi squad, just practicing. Yeah, I think it's even more interesting if you zero in on the goalies with the taxi squad. Like Charlie said, like Lincoln, is he better off just getting a bunch of reps like early on in the season and then getting a shot with the Hawks? Or do they give each of these guys a few games and you see them to kind of move back and forth? Or maybe, like Charlie said, I see him getting a veteran as well on, on the taxi squad. But the same thing with kind of the Ford group and the D group is if you give these guys a couple shots and then they're sent down or, or if that regular happens to a few of these guys all season like how, how deflating is it going to be for them in this situation like are they going to be able to factor in that yeah this is a really rare kind of year and I just kind of have to tough it out and make the most of my chances or is it going to get to some guys and, and we see them you know not play their best and kind of stay down there in Rockford we'll see how it plays out when does the uh the AHL season begin have we heard the official date on on that as of yet um Oh boy. I'm not, I'm not sure yet, Um, but it's obviously going to be after January 13th, probably closer to February. So like, you know, just, you know, eyeballing this and thinking about it as we, as we discuss, you know, I can't imagine protocol wise, they're going to want the NHL that being anybody on that practice squad going to a group of, you know, 23 other athletes in a different city, and possibly getting exposed there. So I think there's going to be, you know, strict guidelines of, of those that are in and those that are out. And if the HL season doesn't start for a few weeks after the NHL season, I could see initially the Hawks carrying the three because there's no, there's no place for Lincoln into play. But then Charlie, as you said, there, there'll probably be a veteran out there, you know, Jimmy, Howe, whoever it is. And you sign them for the league minimum you put them on the taxi squad two weeks into the season, and then you go let Lankin in or whoever you want to go get a, a ton of action in the AHL. You let them go do that, and then they can re-enter. If there's an, an injury or whatever, they can re-enter the quote-unquote Blackhawks uh, bubble uh, at a later date when they go through the protocol that we'll find out here in the in the coming days yeah exactly and I think the, the Blackhawks are probably one of the teams that this benefits for because they have Rockford basically in their backyard where if something good happens, point. it's not like you know it like I think of um, the Vegas Golden Knights where you know their affiliate was the Chicago Wolves and if they needed to make you know a transaction like it, it's you know so um yeah well, th- think about a Canadian team that has their AHL affiliate uh you know in the states uh, and, and we're already finding out how difficult it is with the Canadian government, like Van- Vancouver may end up playing the first couple of weeks on the road. They may end up playing in Edmonton. So, uh, you know, that's another wrinkle. You're right. Having Rockford as close as it is. Uh, and of course, you know, not having any border issues. Uh, that's, that's a huge plus for the Hawks. Yeah. And I think they'll be able to get away with maybe stashing a Kevin Lincoln in, in Rockford so he can get those starts. Um, 
where, you know, I'm sure there is a benefit to working closely with Jimmy Waite and, and seeing Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves shots in practice on a consistent basis. But, you know, for a guy like Lincoln and that doesn't have an NHL start on, your, on his resume yet, like you would definitely want him to, to build his confidence in his resume down in Rockford and they can make those transactions. So, um, and Pat, another wrinkle to this too, is if you're, if you're trade talking with a Canadian team and, you know, you send a player to Vancouver, that player has to quarantine for 14 days before he can play. And so that's going to be a, a, another strange wrinkle if the Canadian health provinces or um, the health authorities in those Canadian provinces eventually do sign off on on those seven teams playing in Canada. And that trade deadline for the Hawks could be very active if, you know, they, if they are where we think they could end up being this year. And that, that deadline is, is April 12th. So camp starts January 3rd. I think players have up until a week before to decide if they want to opt out. Uh, so, you know, what, what, what is not having exhibition games in a very limited camp? How's it going to affect the, the start of the season? I will say this, and I think all three of us were in agreement. The way the Hawks hit fifth third arena right before the bubble in a, that was a two week, a ramp up, wasn't yep. it? Uh, basically the same amount of time. We were impressed with the shape that those guys came in and the tempo that they were playing in. And that might've been also too, like they felt this was an, a tremendous opportunity and a new lease on their hockey lives, so to speak. But I, my thought is just a few months ago, they went through this. I, I like the thought that they can draw off um, a, a recent experience and say, okay, this is what we did in July and look how we hit the ground running in Edmonton uh, in the bubble. We can do the same here before January 13th. I think that's true. You know, definitely to get off to a hot start, but I will say though, for a regular season, even though it's just 56 games, it's kind of probably going to feel more like a, a marathon than the uh, COVID playoffs. You know, you know, it's a rare opportunity you're, you're in the postseason already. Uh, it, it just got to get some momentum here. Guys are trying to earn a spot. Uh, guys like Seabrook are trying to show they can still play. I think there's more variables and I think there's more time, obviously, but I, you know, you hope that a lot of guys and especially the younger players do what Kirby doc did before the postseason. And, and, you know, I don't know how much they're communicating with the staff or each other and breaking down some tape, looking at their own play, getting bigger, getting stronger. Um, you just hope the work is put in and as it was last time. I think it will be this time. I, I've got to be honest. I, I, I think every player is going into this season excited about it's just going to be a sprint, right? Like it's just going to be, we're going into training camp. There are no preseason games. Let's just get going because some of those, like those non-playoff teams, obviously they haven't played in 10 months and you look at a team like the Blackhawks. Yeah. They, they did get this extra life in the postseason, but they ultimately only played nine games. Like they played nine hockey games in a 10 month span. Once the season starts on January 13th. So they're probably, even if you're a team that's going into the season, that's going to struggle or like, you're probably not going to be in the playoffs. You're, you're like, you know what? It's only a 56 game season. We're probably not going to practice a lot because there's going to be a jam packed schedule. I, I think it's going to be exciting for the players that they're going to go into training camp it's like let's just make the best out of this year because it's going to be a weird season with the baseball style schedule um the the no practice like barely any practices I'm sure like to, to keep guys fresh so um, I would take advantage of it. and as a player even if I'm not a playoff team going in I'm still excited to, to get these games going it's gonna be interesting too to see how how often and in terms of stringing games together 
together. They play a lot of these rookies. Um, you know, Ian Mitchell, we know he's going to be an every-night guy, but some of these other guys, maybe like a, a Wyatt uh, Kalnick or somebody like that, that we know is going to get a shot. But now with, this year, they're going to burn an ELC in seven games. So I remember like last year, we're like, oh, Kirby Doc's at nine games. You know, they're, they're about to burn his contract. And then he winds up playing almost the whole year. So it's going to be interesting to see how close they get to seven. You know, it's obviously not as close as 10, but uh, I think it's going to make a big deal. One thing I did, I was trying to look through the uh, some of the notes on the the return to play. Let's hypothetically say that uh, Dylan Strom and his camp didn't come to terms on a long-term deal with the Blackhawks. And we heard Stan say last week that they're working on it and that's he's optimistic that it'll get done. What if, if Dylan says, you know what, um, I, I'm going to opt out. Does he get credit for the, the year uh, that works towards um, – you know, his, his arbitration rights. Yeah, that, that's actually a good question. I don't know about the arbitration, but I, I did see that if, if the play, if a player does opt out, it is going to be without pay, but it's up to the, up to the team if they want to toll that contract. Um, and so it's going to be something to monitor because usually, and also I think February 11th is the deadline for RFA signings. Whereas it's, it's usually, I think December 1st and like a normal year where you have two months, like we saw, like William Nylander um, really take it up to the deadline that the previous right. year. And so, you know, for, for Dylan, I, I still am confident that that's going to get done, but sure. Certainly with the compressed schedule, those deadlines get pushed up and, you know, so we'll have to monitor that situation, but I'm not sure. That's a great question about the arbitration and something we'll have to look into. Even with everything going on to me, it's just still strange that we're waiting this long to work something out with Strom. We know he's serviceable. Yeah, Kirby Doc's going to take those those minutes probably with the second line. But you look just now, uh, it looks like uh, Drake Kajula is going to go to the Coyotes. And, you know, not quite an every-night player, but an impact impact player in the bottom six. So, you, you know, teams are starting to sign guys now. I guess, I don't know. It's a fair question, I think, to say, are they actually going to sign him? Could we see him, could we see him walk somehow? So we'll find that in the days to come uh, to continue, you know, the way this will set up the, the Hawks will play their, their seven opponents in their central division eight times each. And as of now, the, the, the plan is that we'll play at the home rink of all the teams, at least that are in the United States. We discussed earlier how different provinces in Canada have yet to sign off on that. Uh but we'll expect to go to Detroit and Carolina and whatnot. Then you, you, th you throw in the factor of, you know, will there be fans in the stands and the NHL is letting uh, everybody go by the government guidelines in, in each specific market. So obviously here in Illinois, we will not have fans in the seats unless something changes. Um, but like somewhere like Texas where the government allows 50% uh, capacity in stadiums. The Dallas stars owner came out in the last couple of days and said that they will play around 5,000. So less than a third of the, uh, the building will be, will be filled. So that will be interesting to see the, uh, you know, when you go to Florida in uh, Tampa and, and uh, the Panthers and whatnot, how the impact it won't be quite the sterile environment that we saw in Toronto and Edmonton during the playoffs. Yeah. I, and I think that's beneficial for, 
even the visiting team, like for the Blackhawks, like they're going to go to Tampa Bay, they're going to go to Dallas, they're going to go to the Florida Panthers, and they're all going to have a little percentage of fans in there. And I think, I think the, those guys, you know, it's not like a, a home ice advantage. It's more like the players are probably going to be thrilled to go play in those games because they're going to have some sort of normal atmosphere, or like whatever we can resemble that's normal um, rather than playing in an empty arena like they did in the bubble where it was built in sound and it wasn't natural. So um, I don't know if there's an advantage, but I think it's cool that the Blackhawks are in the division with three of the teams, at, at least three that we know of right now that are going to have some sort of percentage of fans in, in attendance. It'd be a lot more normal, especially to see on, on TV. I will say the NHL is usually a little more image conscious than other leagues. So whatever way they, they can have an impact in these markets, I think you could probably see like the least amount of fans as possible. I don't know if some of these areas are going to work with the NHL to achieve that, but I mean, I think it all depends on how cases are doing as the season plays out, you know, across the U S and, and maybe Canada. And it's also interesting to note that, um, the NHL has been kind of contacting private companies about the vaccine for the players to see what they can, they can do there. But again, with their image, I don't think they're going to like jump in front of the general public or, you know, people that, that really need the vaccine getting it first. Uh, and also for the first time, NHL teams are going to have uh, advertisements on the sides of their helmets in a way to recoup uh, some, some revenue that have certainly been lost during the pandemic. So what, what's your guess on, uh, on what decals, what companies will we see on the side of the, the Blackhawks uh, lids? So my, my sister is a graphic that a graphic designer for Portillo's. So I'm going to throw Portillo's out there as a Chicago ad. And yes. I think that would be a brilliant idea if there was a Portillo's on a, on right next to eight Patrick Kane's 88 decal on his helmet. <laughs> Maybe she'll get a nice contract to do it. That'd be great. I, but what if, what if they, uh, would she be broken hearted if they go with a competitor and get a bone of beef on there? Is that, would that be really rough for the household? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it, it uh, depends. Like if, if you're uh, kind of a flashy player, like Kane, you're, you're somewhat of a hot dog, you'll go the Portillo's <laughs> route. And if you're uh, bigger, more physical, uh, maybe a Seabrook, uh, you go with a uh, bone of beef. <laughs> What about now after the fact getting uh, Panera bread after Panera has been gone in these years? Uh, you, you know, know what? It still kinda, hurts. It'd be please, hard to take, right? Please let's let know. And by the way, uh, I wish, I wish the folks uh, could li- that are listening to the podcast could see Scotty's in his uh, Brett Bielema. Uh, <laughs> it's a big day. Yeah. It's uh it's, it's, it's a, it's a piece of work. What would you call, would you call that a Christmas sweater? Even it though is, it's, it you know, I don't Here, I'll get a little closer so you can oh, see there there's you a, an orange Christmas tree in the pattern throughout the sweater. I just, you know, I wanted to have a little bit of flair. I thought my marble one would probably be too much for you guys that my son likes. So this is the Christmas sweater I wore today. Scott, I want to say that it's a perfect ugly Christmas sweater, but it's not ugly. It's, it's actually a, a cool looking Christmas sweater. <laughs> no, no, it's ugly. It's <laughs> no, ugly. Okay. I mean, it's, it's, purpose right <laughs> by the way a little marvel mention a little uh, teaser for you kids Ooh. out there uh coming up later this week for uh, a a christmas gift for you we get we get marvel geeky we we uh <laughs> we talk uf uh ufc fighting uh we get into it with one of the biggest blackhawks fans we know cm punk will be on this podcast coming up that should drop uh, on Christmas Eve. And uh, Scotty gets into some Marvel questions and he, he was, you were in a lather. I'm not going to, I'm not going to say I was, I was going to let the fans guess which one asked about Marvel and maybe asked about UFC. I don't, I don't know. It would have been a hard uh, guess maybe. 
<laughs> Spoiler alert. Uh, all right, Charlie, let's get back to the topic at hand. You ranked the teams in the Central Division in one of your recent posts. So we're going to make you uh, Seacrest here. And we're going to have you count them down, starting with number eight. Okay, so the way I did this was I was ranking the teams right now, like as far as which team is the best, not necessarily how I think they will finish. And I think at a later date, I will get to some of those predictions. But right now, number eight for me is the Detroit Red Wings, and I don't think I need to expand on my um, my reasoning very much. Number seven, I, I do have – that's where I have the Blackhawks. And I think it just ultimately comes down to the goaltending, right? Like they're going in there with three unproven goaltenders. And so statistically they were one of the worst teams in the NHL last season. So I think it's going to be very difficult for them to get out of or compete for a postseason spot in this division. Um, number six, I have Joel Quinville's Florida Panthers. And I didn't think I would have them this low when I started this ranking, but then I was looking at the division and I was going through the roster and they lost both of their top two scores last season. And if Sergei Bobrovsky is not, does not have a bounce back season, like I, like they could, they could really be low on this division, but if Sergei does have a bounce back year and, and the Panthers do have this um, committee scoring, uh, then I do think they can compete in a, in, a, in a playoff spot. This was the hardest. Number five was the hardest for me, the, the Nashville Predators, because I look at their roster and I'm like, every single one of those core players last year underachieved. Yeah. And I don't know if that's going to happen again this year. Like Philip Forsberg, Victor Arvidsson, Matt Duchesne, Ryan Johansson, all those guys had career lows in scoring. And I think at least half of them are going to have bounce back years. And also their goaltending situation is really rough last year. So if they get league average goaltending again, like I really do think they could be, they could, they could flirt with the number two seed in this division, but they're so unpredictable. Um, number four is the Columbus blue jackets. Boy, boy, when, when we were watching the, um, the um, Stanley cup playoffs last year, like they are as well structured of a team that you will ever see. And I think it just like added to the, the, like they're so good that they have that one, two punch and goal now with Corpus Allo and Merzlikens. And, and we don't know if they can carry that over into next season, but I think they've earned it, the respect of number four, um, number three, the hurricanes. I, th I just think they've been a dominant possession team for years now under Rod Brendan Moore. Um, the, the one, the one question mark about that team is, is goaltending. And I don't know if they have, like I thought Corey Crawford would have been a really good fit in Carolina if he, if he ended up signing there, but they're going into the year, the year with Peter Morazic and James Reimer and then number two, I have, ironically, number two is the Dallas Stars, who were the runner-up in the Stanley Cup final. And number one, I have the Tampa Bay Lightning, who we just found out today could be without Nikita Kucherov for an extended period of time this season because it, apparently he's, he had some hip issue and he could yeah. go on LTIR, which um, I don't want to say benefits them because they, he's one of the best players in the world, but they, they are in a salary cap crunch right now where they have to shed like $10 million in salary and putting Kucherov on long-term injured reserve could prolong that, you know, they don't have to make that decision right now where they could put him on long-term injured reserve and they have room to sign, re-sign Sorelli. And they, maybe they not, they don't have to trade um, Alex Kalorn or Tyler Johnson, but those are, those are my one and two. Um, I, I don't know how they're going to fit. I'll predict at a later date of how I think they're going to finish. But I think as of right now, those are the rankings. Yeah. And one thing on Dallas, I do believe Ben Bishop is out until April. So it's, going to be up to Anton Kudobin to kind of hold down the fort for a while but that certainly is a, uh, could a really yeah yeah no no question um but no and, and look the, the trade-off of Dallas versus Minnesota for the Blackhawks 
that was a a serious uh you know improvement uh in in class here going with the stars this makes the division you know that much more difficult for the blackhawks to get into that top four i mean you have a ranked seventh i don't think that that's that's a crazy ranking you might be able to possibly say sixth going in something like that but nothing higher than that uh so they're gonna have to they're gonna have to leap a, a lot of teams to make that top four and wait by the way speaking of the stars i completely forgot about this pat and i'm glad you mentioned it tyler sagan is also out through i think through, through the middle of the season as well so that that's a great call and so i don't want to say that dallas is not a playoff team because like they still prove that they could be a they're they have depth uh but that that's a huge, huge bowl. I, I completely forgot about the tyler sagan news as well I think your rankings are still pretty spot on with that, all that injury news. Um, I think it's funny how much people are making out of the, you know, the Red Wings storyline with the Hawks rivalry. Like that'll be the big highlight of, in terms of the Hawks in Chicago with this new um, or temporary division. For me, it's you're seeing Joel Quinville eight times. Like we're just, there's going to be storylines within that. You keep seeing Q kind of, you know, through a big chunk of this season. And look, I was at that, that game seven against the wings in, in 2013. That was, possibly the best sporting event I've ever seen in my life, but neither one of them is that team anymore. And the wings, as you said, Charlie had them ranked last, which is very fair for how, how bad they are now. They're just a bad team and the rivalry is not what it was. I don't see a way that you can rekindle that, but it's, it's pretty cool. They're in the same division again. Yeah. I mean, I will say this, if you could pick one city that Chicago uh, hates and it goes back to the bulls I, I don't look at the Bears and Lions as any kind of big rivalry, even though they've been in the same division forever. It, it's down to the the Wings and the Hawks and the Pistons and the Bulls that have made, you know, the White Sox and Tigers. It seems like they've been one's been better than the other significantly at different times over the last several decades. But it, it doesn't feel like there's any fever when when those two teams meet, uh, and with no fans in the buildings. Uh, you know, the, the Detroit sucks chant and, you know, what we're used to seeing. I mean, that, that, that's where the electricity, you know, comes to play. Hey, look, if we continue, uh, you know, w- with this vaccine and it'll be interesting how quickly this moves past, um, you know, giving it to those that are on the front line and those that are in the medical field doing, you know, great work. Uh, where, when does it, you know, move to the general population? I mean, it's probably not going to be for, uh, any, t- any, anytime soon. I mean, we are going to, you're going to start with, uh, uh, the elderly and, and those that are uh, immune compromised and, and things of that nature. But if we do get to a point, uh, where, you know, they're able to make this available to more of the general population and, uh, maybe, guidelines are set up that you show documentation that you've had it or what have you, it, it might change the way the end of this season feels if, if some of these markets, uh, the governments in these specific markets uh, kind of change their view of, of what they allow in their arenas. Yeah. And, and we don't know what, as of this recording, at least, we don't know what the schedule is going to look like, but it does sound like they are going to have like two segments where they, they can prepare for the second half of the year with, with the possibility of integrating more fans into the stands. You know, if you're in Chicago where you're starting out with no fans, like integrate a certain percentage of maybe 25 or however many, whatever the percentage is. And maybe if you're in Florida or Tampa Bay, they up 
the the percentage to a higher percentage. So um, that that'll that'll be uh, something to monitor as well. I, I do think I do think they aren't planning like when we see the schedule get released. I think at some point they are planning for the second half where they can start filling in some fans. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I, I think probably the second half, like it'd be nice to kind of have a world where you have a decent amount of fans in, in every venue for the playoffs. Yeah, I think the original news when the Pfizer vaccine got approved was that in June, they were hopeful people that, that wanted it would get it after you take care of your frontline workers and the elderly, then everyone would get it probably beginning of the summer. Now with Moderna getting approved and, and possibly more vaccines, like you know, I'm not a doctor. I know I might look like one in this Christmas sweater, but <laughs> I, I, you know, I think maybe it's, it's, uh, it might be a little better off now that other vaccines are going to prove that maybe there is, could be fans kind of in every playoff venue. Hey, before we uh, sign off, you did a great piece with Mr. Goalie, Glenn Hall, Scott, oh, uh, what, what was it like talking to him and, and, and putting that piece together? Uh, it was awesome. It was awesome. And his, his son, Pat helped me out a lot, helped kind of conduct the interview. And he gave me a lot of great quotes as well. And yeah, so my dad was eight when the, the 61 team won the cup. So I just grew up hearing about him and Bobby and Stan. So I just wanted to learn more about Glenn Hall. I, and I asked about stuff I'd either read or, or just, you know, had kind of had heard over the years and he was awesome. He's 89. He was very sharp, like, you know, one of the things I asked about was obviously not wearing a mask. I'm like, did you, when you're playing, are you just playing or you realize how dangerous it is? He's like, you're, you're damn right. I realized how dangerous it was. Uh, so that just all kinds of uh, interesting tidbits kind of throughout his history. I love box. the part about the Vesna trophy and how he despises that trophy. I, I didn't realize that for a long period of time, it was given to the goalie whose team uh, collectively uh, allowed the, the fewest goals against, right? Yeah, it was what the Jennings is now. And, and yeah. back then it was, it was looked at as even more of a team award where it's obviously your defense and kind of the goalies together. So his son was really, you know, that was kind of like a, a passionate quote from him because he thinks that, you know, if, if he would have had those rules back then when he was a seven – time first team all-star selection in 10 years like that would have been seven visitors right there probably because you're getting those numbers and you have the popularity so uh yeah that was a really interesting piece too I guess I didn't know that's when it it kind of changed in that he you know at 89 still a very happy humble guy but that's 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 something he's hanging on to speaking of Glenn Hall he is the owner of the most unbreakable record in sports history yep. of 502 consecutive starts as an NHL goaltender. That's like crazy. And he did that without a mat. Like that is absolutely unheard of where like, we're going to watch this NHL season of a 56 game season. Not one goalie is going to play all 56 games. It's absolutely absurd. And he did it without a mask is even more absurd in my mind. 552 without a mask. If you count playoffs and his son says over a thousand consecutive, if you count, uh, juniors and minors all without a mask. Oh my. So, so just on, that's, that's one of the reasons I want to talk to him. Like just, you know, I was more kind of uh, ex, ex, excited than when I talked to Wayne Gretzky, when I did a Forbes story with Wayne Gretzky, like it's, it's unbelievable what he did. Like no one in sports will ever do anything like that in my opinion. Well, it's good stuff. Check it out on the, my team's app. Uh, I'm sure you follow Scott. He's at Scott King media on twitter all right guys any other tidbits before we take off oh uh, hey shout out to my sister and her brother-in-law pete who had their first baby on thursday night it was a hectic night in the rumeliotis household but 
Um, they welcomed Valerie into the world on Thursday. Nice. Uh, that's awesome. And I'm Uncle Charlie. Charlie. Congrats, officially, I'm officially a Funkle. <laughs> fun Uncle Charlie. There you go. That's a great name, too. Yeah, it's a beautiful name. All right. Well, congratulations to them. And uh, congratulations you, Charlie, being a Funkle. Thank you. Uh, it's, uh, it's definitely going to be interesting. <laughs> the, I, I, have to, uh, I have to be an adult. Uh, but... Yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, it's fun news for our family. So congrats to Pete and Felicia. And congrats to us for b- being able to talk about hockey. It's right around the corner. January 13th is when they'll tee it up. January 3rd, the Blackhawks will report to camp at Fifth Third Arena. And, of course, we'll be all over it. For Scott and Charlie, I'm Pat. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to rate us. CM Punk comes your way on Christ- Christmas Eve. Have a great holiday, everybody, and we'll catch you next time on the Blackhawks Talk Podcast.